Hello and welcome to the Unofficial Controller Podcast, your weekly gaming podcast. Episode 59, The History of Sonic the Hedgehog, with me, George, and this week, joined by Bobby, Sonic the Hedgehog, to my chronic back pain. How's it going? My good, you? I'm very good. So some people are thinking, oh, what's going on? Where's Tom? Well, he's in Vietnam. I think he's fallen in, in love with Lim Po's cleaner. And he's asked Lim Po of Bobby's World Podcast to, uh, to look after his house, your house sitting for Tom. What, yeah, what you, I mean, he's in the neighborhood, so might as well. What, what do you, uh, obviously he's got some very eccentric statues, naked Greek statues that he's got around. Have you, have you, how do you feel about the sort of ambiance that he's got going on in there? I like it to have the selfies from with him. I mean, <laughs> it's a nice house, man. Let me tell you. Well, That's not what I thought when I walked in here. From the outside coming in, two different stories. Yeah, you kind of get in that sort of shuttered elevator. You go up and then boom, it's all white like John Lennon's apartment. Beautiful. Greek statues. Uh, he keeps that place clean, although he does obviously uh, pay a woman for that. People who may not know the format of the show, will be a wave of new listeners. They're wondering, who's this Bobby character? How do we get to find out about, about this man? Tell me, how would they find your show and what is it called? Well, my, it's called uh, Bobby's World Podcast. You can find it. Uh, it's Bobby's on, on Instagram. It's Bobby's underscore world underscore podcast. I like underscores. So I added them in there. As I said, you can find me on IG. You're a man yeah. that overscores. You've got more platinums than a, a diamond magnet in uh, Africa somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I get a little crazy with the platinums, but <laughs> if I'm paying 60 bucks for the game, I'm going to try to play the whole game. Okay. And so that's your Instagram, and your podcast yep. is available on every format known to man. It's even on a hot point washing machine at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, get, could get it everywhere. And I feel like we've elevated the show We've added a little bit of class. Obviously, Tom's a famous uh, voiceover artist, as he claims here in the UK. But uh, in, uh, I think we've now added an international flavor and one that uh, it's about time, isn't it? About time we got one of our American cousins on the show and one with such an esteemed podcast in history. So the new wave of listeners that have come on, they're like, okay, right, so what's the show all about? So we're going to have some news. I'll be coming up, and there's going to be some Xbox news. That's coming up. Then we've got the feature, which probably 60% of them turned up for, which is the history of Sonic the Hedgehog. Then a man I need to introduce to you that can only be described as the myth, the man, the legend, Stingray, is going to... I don't know how he's going to get a Nissan Bluebird up that elevator and simultaneously into fill the producer's uh, studio here, but he's a man beyond any means... He lives outside of time and space, does Stingray. He's going to show us the new release highlights, and then the show ends when I ask you what you're hoping to play. But the game, the show, can only begin. Odders, grip that wheel. Bobby, what have you been playing? So I've been playing um, Alice Manus Returns. I played them a while ago, like many, many years ago, but never got the platinum for it. Mm-hmm. So I figured I have a bunch of games that I'm not ready to play yet for some odd reason. So I threw that in on the PS3. What makes a game so I'm ready for you to play? I don't know. I, it's like once I got the platinum for, um, I don't remember, Streets of Rage 4. Mm-hmm. That was kind of difficult. So I'm like, okay, let me go look, look what I have that's kind of like relaxing. I didn't really have anything. 
so a psychotic have... journey through Wonderland yeah. was how you relaxed. So I said, let me, <laughs> let me try this game again. I, I liked it. And it's not, you know, it's, it's difficult, but not as difficult as I thought. I'm not stressed out, so it's good. D- is that the game that has a pre- precursor to it? It's like Ali, Alice, Alex McGee's or something like that? It's Alice yeah, through... it's uh, American McGee's Alice, which That's... is uh, like a free DLC from the game. Okay. So I played that, and then I'm now playing the sequel. And I heard there might be a third one, but I don't know. Is it a good game? Then, is it like a I platformer, like or is it more like it's, a... Yeah, it's a platformer. Is like it? Lots of jumping, yeah, venting. There's like vents you can fly up on, and lots of jumping. I don't, I'm not really a fan of platformers. Yeah. But for some reason, this just... I don't know, I've always was interested in the art and the, the style of the story. It's the artistic... Uh direction that's always drawn me to the game but never to the point where i've actually bought it opened it and put it into a console yeah i i'm enjoying it so far so far so good and then uh i've been playing uh dead nation with my my boy marlon trying to help him get the platinum so we did everything that we could do for it. he just has to play one more time to collect the mementos which okay. are only on single player and that's that's what i've been doing the whole week really a busy boy. Do you know what I've been playing? Yeah. Go ahead. What you been playing? Last of Us Part Two. I have Never. That game. Oh, mate, I can't even begin to describe to you. The gameplay loops the same as the first one, pretty much. There's been some tweaks, so I see it more. I I somehow see it as a puzzle game. Like you get this area you've got to clear. There's X, Y, and Z amount of bad guys in there. You've only got a limited amount of resources. That you've only got a certain amount of bullets. You've only got so many sort of um, melee weapons and it's kind of like you have to get each bit right so if you miss the first shot I'm like oh this is going to be hard now because I've wasted a bullet I need a headshot on him I need to do X on them and then I need to sort of run to this point in time get cover reload heal myself and then do that section I see it it's not a puzzle game but I kind of view it as a puzzle game because sometimes you end up low resource you're in an area and you're like oh right so I need to you die and it's like right okay so i'm gonna do him then i'm gonna take her down then i'm gonna do this and you have this sort of perfect flow in your mind of how it's gonna go and you're like yeah and you fail and you die and you finally get through it like yes you know real sense of but the physicality the first from the first moment i'm not going to go into any story bits i think people be emotional i've seen unfortunately seen a couple of bits on the social media and i was like why did people write that now i've read it because i have to yeah. monitor this and I've I scan read things first of all so I've absorbed sort of 70% of the information and it's oh no why uh, so but anyway so I don't want to ruin it for anybody else but there's definitely some twists and turns in it and every single narrative decision that's been made to this point I've been like wow but the physicality the first time I dodged and hit and infected one of the runners you know the, the first sort of stage of the cordyceps virus it connected and it felt so just the control and the movement of it, it felt so physical and that like the actual like visceral nature of it, it's, it tells a story in such an eloquent way. Like it is a super violent game, but somehow it weaves that into being part of it. If that makes sense. Like the first one, like you were, when you're not killing the infected who kind of, you can see they used to be a person, but when you're taking down other human beings, it, it's it, it's kind of brutal in a way to hear them choking out. Like I, I shot one the other day. I just winged a woman, but it was like the last bullet to go into her and it killed her. And as she fell down, she called out to 
a guy's name behind her. So my my mind was like, oh, and if that was like a husband, and she you show, oh, and, she, yeah. and she calls out the name, and it was like, oh god, I feel really bad now. And then uh, there was another section where a dog ran at me, and I shot the dog, and the the WLF soldier called out the dog's name he was like oh no like killer or whatever and he was like you could hear in his voice he was cut up and i was like oh I, you know i don't i don't like killing animals in games it, it makes me feel yeah. horrible uh you know it's wrong uh, i'm but the same the game the digital animals just like they're digital humans but seemingly yeah. like line me up a thousand bad guys and i'll stab through them in the most visceral yeah, fashion no you can imagine ask me to line up and kill saying that in the Minecraft playthrough, I'm killing sheep left, right, and Chelsea. It doesn't matter <laughs> to me. But they're not real, are they? What else no. have been playing? Been playing that note. Finished. So I finished Minecraft. I think I might have mentioned that last week. Killed the Ender Dragon with a diamond hoe. It's normally a garden implement, Bobby, but I'm not shy. I'll whack a scaled winged beast to death with that. <laughs> no shame here. And then uh, I started playing No Man's Sky. Now, obviously, it's not the the big hitter on the YouTube that the, that the Minecraft is, but uh, No Man's Sky is one of my guilty pleasures. I absolutely love the game, the art style, the whole lot. So, yeah, I don't know whether I'll finish that. I found a planet that's very peaceful. It's got lush grass and some wonderful creatures and I did a David Attenborough impression the other day and probably got a little bit too carried away, but it's immortalized <laughs> on the internet now, so there's no, there's no getting away from that shame. Uh, I think, and I think that's it, really. Um, I went back to Gotham Games today, the first time it's been opened, and I picked up some PS1 games, and I picked up, tell you what else I picked up, Jedi Fallen Order, which I'm quite excited to play. Yeah. Off the back I of that, it. Battlefront 2. Yeah, the Battlefront 2 I've been playing, the story mode in that, I've actually been quite enjoying, but it's basically cutscenes bolted around the the multiplayer elements of the game, but done in an offline fashion. Yeah. Um, We'll see how it goes. I might try and see out the storyline, but the the death, live death, like routine, that probably shows I'm not very good at the game, but I think everybody mm-hmm. dies when they're playing it and they respawn and go back in. I don't know. I'm kind of like, I find it a bit boring, but that's just me. Um, I guess that's what we've been playing. Uh, Handsome Rob 7. So that means, uh, you know what it means now? We've scoured the very darkest regions of the internet to bring you the latest stories. First up, Bobby, do you want to lead with that one? Okay. Uh, seems Microsoft, much talked about smart delivery service, is being done on QT over at Sony with a bunch of developers confirming that the PS4, such as Marvel Avengers and Cyberpunk, will be getting free PS5 patches and upgrades ready for when the PS5 comes to retail. Uh, Microsoft are baking this feature in, but Sony's leaving it up to the developers. So that's Microsoft's um, smart delivery system, which they've obviously they've made the sales point out of that, and uh, certainly a wise move, I suppose. And Sony, as always, are leaving it very oblique. Um, but it seems like those heavy hitting games are getting PS5 upgrades. In fact, I think to this week I saw some Marvel Avengers shots that was captured on PS5 equipment and i thought oh crikey that looks good i'm not overly hyped for marvel's avengers are you no i mean it looks interesting but it kind of reminds me of like uh dc universe online but mm. you know obviously a little bit better than that but i'm like eh, another mmo mmo rpg i don't know it seems a bit more to me like to be a 
bit of a destiny with suit with with like five choice of superheroes and you, you kind of go through these formulate bits that you know the voice artists i'm a fan of and and some other bits and bobs but uh yeah what do you think about this this generous offer of upgrading your ps4 game to be to be a, a sexy looking ps5 game by the time you've put the disc in and it's worked its voodoo magic on the game I like it. I think it's a good idea for for certain games to move up with the next generation of you know the console. Yeah, I don't I don't mind it. I remember they did it with the uh, Grand Theft Auto Five, which from PS3 to PS4. Now doing it again from PS4 to PS5. Yeah, well, this will be. So I think this is a. I don't know. They said it's a free upgrade on PS5, the GTA update, and these ones, if you buy the PS4 game or the Xbox game. You slap it in your fancy new console when you get home, and it looks like a fancy new PS5 game. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, I like the idea of it. If you could do it, why not, right? I Maybe not everybody's ready for a PS5 day one, or you know, the, the, that first month at least. So they're saving up for it. We're all saving up for it. One, one yeah. dollar, one pound at, at a time, time, Bobby. That's yeah, it, yep. <laughs> console by a thousand cuts. Uh, up next, uh, short but sweet, short-laden former PlayStation executive speaking as part of Game Lab Live. The likable lead pointed the fact costs have doubled with each generation, and he says it's hard for every adventure game to shoot for a 50 to 60 hour gameplay milestone. That's because it's going to be so much more expensive to achieve, he explained. And in the end, you may close some interesting creators and their stories out of the market. It's the kind of threshold they have to meet. Uh, we have to reevaluate that. Layden continued that despite ballooning budgets, the cost of buying games has not increased. It's fifty nine ninety nine since I started in the business, but the cost of games has gone up 10 times. If you don't have elasticity on the price point, you have a huge volatility on the cost line. The model becomes more difficult. I think this generation is going to see these two imperatives collide. According to the executive, one solution may be to simply make smaller titles instead of spending five years making an 80-hour game. What does three years and a 15-hour game look like? What would be the cost around that? Is that a full-throated experience? Personally, as an older gamer, I would welcome a return to the 12 to 15-hour game, he said. Triple A at that. He continued, I would finish more games, first of all, and just as well uh, as a well-edited piece of literature or movie, looking at discipline around that could give us tighter, more compelling content. It's something I'd like to see a return to in this business, but would uh, you be willing to fork out fifty-nine ninety-nine? A dozen or so times for top notch entertainment, or would you be waiting for the price drop? That's he's got a couple of solid points there, as Mister Layden. Like I remember back in the day, a SNES game would cost. I call it SNES. What do you call it, my American cousin? Do you call it a Super NES or no, just SNES? SNES. <laughs> this is fascinating. Yeah, I've only heard SNES from the you know my English cousins. I never heard anybody say that at all. Oh right, okay. Well, it's, it's probably. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. It's that's what you guys call it. That's cool. Snes. I mean, it's it, it is. What do you call? What do you call the eight bit Nintendo machine then? Just Nintendo. Just do you call it a NES or an NES? No, we were just saying Nintendo. So if we were talking about if you say Nintendo, I we automatically, well, me and my friends at least, automatically assume you're talking about the original Nintendo. The lift up say, flat. Load in, yeah. push down job. They wow. say either Super Nintendo or SNES or the Genesis. You know, we don't just Nintendo. So, so when we NES. call it, 
when we call it Nez and Snez, you're thinking, what is this? Is this like, is this my English cousin who stopped to sneeze mid-talk or <laughs> what is it? I'm like, that, that's when I found like, what's a Snez? Like, I actually Googled this. Like, what, is that something that you guys only had over there that we didn't have over here? And I'm like, oh, okay. You're just saying the abbreviation. Copy. At least, at least our at least our separate languages sort of merged when we got to the N sixty four. Or do you call that summing outs? What what are no, you calling N- that? N sixty four. That's it. Yeah. GameCube. Yeah, GameCube. Yeah. The Wii, the Wii U, and the Switch. The Wii, Wii U, yeah, Switch. Yeah. Let's forget about the Wii U. I I had my girlfriend had one, and we played a bunch of like the baseball and whatever Mario game was on it. Yeah. But then it was just quickly forgotten. Yeah, I got one at Tom the little toe rag that he is, talked me into getting one at launch. And I should have known things were an issue when I was taking Wii games home from the shop with my brand new console. Not a single (laughs) Wii U game was appealing to me because I'd already played it. It was like, what is going on? Why am I taking home Donkey Kong Country Returns on the Wii? And it came packed in. I think it might have been the, it might have come packed in with Zombie U. And let me tell you, I don't know if you've played Zombie U, but... Goodness gracious me, what a, what a hideous game that was. I think it's a good game, but the, the loop of it was obviously you had a backpack and you used the pad to go into your backpack and it made it kind of like, I think they were trying to be more interactive, but if you died, you lost your backpack and you became another survivor with a random name and a different face and then you went and picked up that backpack. But if you didn't get back to it in time oh. or you died in an area full of zombies that you didn't take down the first time your character that dies becomes a zombie so all of a sudden there's more bad guys in there so if you get back in to get the backpack and die again there's another zombie in that room and it was just this hideous loop of me adding more and more of my player (laughs) characters to this room like i'm so bad at this game then it'll be in a horde like what's going on so uh yeah i wasn't I wasn't totally enamored with that. So I returned to my Wii games to play on my brand new next-gen console and then felt, I don't know, robbed, I would say. And very quickly, i that's what made me get into retro because I then packaged it all up. I was like, no, do you know what? I'm done with modern gaming. Mm-hmm. And I took it down to Gotham Games and I traded it in for a load of Mega Drive games to bolster my collection. Uh, and that's that's really all she wrote until I got back on board I think the next console I bought after that, other than retro, was the PS4, and you know, loved it. Yeah, great console. Um, next bit of news. Shall I lead with this, uh, Bobby? Um, yeah, mixing things up a bit. Microsoft is closing its Mixer service on July 22nd and plans to move existing partners over to Facebook Gaming. The surprise announcement announcement means partners and streamers will be transitioned to Facebook Gaming starting today. Or Whenever that was, so Microsoft no longer operate Mixer as service in a month's time. Microsoft has struggled to reach the scale needed for Mixer to compete, compete with Twitch, YouTube, and even Facebook gaming, which has led to today's decision. We started pretty far behind in terms of where Mixer's monthly active users were compared to some of the big players out there, says Phil Spencer, Microsoft's head of gaming, in an interview with The Verge. I think the Mixer community is really going to benefit from the broad audience that Facebook has through properties. Uh, and as uh, through their properties and the abilities to reach games in a very seamless way through social platform through the social platform Facebook has, Microsoft is partnering with Facebook to transition existing mix of viewers and streamers over to Facebook Gaming in the coming weeks. 
July 22nd, all Mixer sites and apps will be automatically directed to Facebook Gaming. Existing Mixer partners will be granted partner status with Facebook Gaming, and many streamers using the Mixer Monetage Program will be granted eligibility for Facebook's Level Up Program. Mixer viewers all with outstanding Ember balances, channel subscriptions, or Mixer Pro subscriptions will receive Xbox gift card credit. So I don't think anyone's going to lose out financially. Um, is it just me? I mean, I would never even consider to go to Mixer to watch watch game. I would go to Twitch or YouTube. I guess that's the issue in the first place, Bobby. Who yeah. would what? Who was watching this thing? I guess it was baked into the Xbox's dashboard, which is where they try and capture you. They hook you in with the with the bits on there. But is this a is this a sad day for gaming or? Is I mean, it fine? I. I think it's fine. I mean, I don't think, like I said, they like they said themselves, Mixer wasn't getting the numbers they had up there. So yeah. it was really between Twitch and YouTube. So if this if it's gonna help them out, then you know, why not get a bigger audience to come watch you play if you're not using those two other platforms? What's your uh, go to platform? YouTube? Yeah, just a YouTube with some guy named George playing uh No Man's Sky. He's average at, he's average at best. <laughs> That's all. That's the first game I ever watched. So, well, fair play to you. So you've never done Twitch <laughs> or anything like that? No, I um, when I first played For Honor, a couple of my friends wanted to see it. Yeah, but you can only share play with one person on the mm. PS4. Yeah, so I just signed up for Twitch just to show, just to play the game so they could watch it. But I don't, I don't have a camera. At least you could just hear me and my friends, and they yeah. just played a few times. But I never so really used it again. Somewhere deep buried in Twitch. Is a handsome Rob with a for honor video that we can all yeah. go check out. It, Twitch, and I think there's someone on YouTube that uh, wow. I have saved from many moons ago. I, I has to be at what three years ago, maybe at least. Is there anything on there that you you wish you could delete? No. You're no. proud. This is me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it is. You know, it, I wasn't really. I was just actually playing the game and kind of forgot that I was recording it. So I was whatever you're hearing is me, my stepfather, my two friends making jokes, playing it. You know, we were playing like against real people and also against the computer. So we weren't trying to be like, oh, I'm never going to lose this game, you know? You're a man. I'm going to refer to you now as Chronicles of a Gamer. This is your, this is your Instagram presence. Yeah. Okay. You're a man who seems to be very much in love with the game For Honor. Ubisoft brought it out. It's like a medieval yeah. sword fighting mm-hmm. game. And there's all the different genres of samurai, medieval knight, and et cetera, et cetera. What's the draw for you for that game? Is it their support of it? Or is it the gameplay mechanics? Is it the way you use the sword? What's the big sort of... What's that big bit of bait that's pulled out a catfish from the pond in you? And you're like, I'm all over this like a rash I love for on it. Like, I never really played online games, like, before. Like, just a couple of them, nothing, nothing really major. But then when I saw the trailer for this game, first of all, you had a Viking in it. So automatically, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm already in it, right? Then you had a knight, then you had a samurai. I'm like, oh, my God, what is, like, I'm getting hyped for this, okay? Then when I actually, when it, when it got time to release, I convinced my stepfather and my two friends to buy the game. I said, I'll buy it for you. We need to play this immediately. I knew it was a multiplayer game, but I didn't know the like extent of it. Yeah. And a lot of my friends bought it and they dropped off because it was too hard for them to use the, the control. Because you have to block or attack either left, up, or right. And then there's combos. So it's not really like a traditional fighting game. 
but I updated my Viking character, who I've only played as, you know, the most of... For the Platinum, you have to play as everything, everybody, at least level one. Does he get your PSN name, or can you give him a suitably Viking name within the game? No, you just have to your PSN name. I wish you could name him, <sighs> but you can't. So what, would you, what would you call your Viking warrior, given the chance? Probably... If it was a female, definitely Largatha. I just like that name. Okay. From the tales of Ragnar, from uh, Ragnar Lothbrok and his family. And then a Viking name. I don't know. I, I usually try to put my name in, I guess, from what I understood from the internet, in Gaelic, which is like Robeard. I just put everything as all my fantasy characters are Robeard. Even if I'm saying it wrong, I'm saying it wrong. But See, if someone's playing online. And Robeard comes down the line. They're like, leg it. This is Chronicles of a Game where we stand no chance. He's going to chop us up. He's going to chop us up like a cucumber on a chopping board. And it's funny, too, because my stepfather downloaded the Ubisoft app for I don't know what reason. And then he put in For Honor like as the game he played. Mm-hmm. And he looked at the statistics. And I've killed more people in less playtime than any of my friends combined. I mean, that's crazy. Do you think you've killed more people than Pol Pot in that game? Probably not. <laughs> pretty <laughs> pretty, <laughs> a pretty substantial. I've not killed as many yeah. as Pol Pot, but I've yeah. done a few. Pretty, pretty, pretty close, yeah. I mean, and I don't know. And I just liked it. Even the DLC they added, I played it much later on. Because then they did so many updates that it kind of made the game less fun. Because, mm. you know, all the balancing and this and that. But I think now at least the latest update that I played just a couple months ago, it seems like it's the best it could possibly be than when it first came out. Also, so it's reached, it's reached a, a high watermark point now rather than I then. I think so. Yeah, because the way they did like the perks and the special abilities you have doesn't seem like overkill. Like right. I feel like, okay, if I'm going to get jumped by three people, I'm probably not going to survive. Where back then... I could use all my rage and then block, 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 and then go into a, like a Viking rage and kill three people. And then they would message me, I'm cheating. Because, you know, online. If you win... You, you just unlocked that inner Gaelic warrior within yourself. And you took <laughs> it, You it. just took it to the next level. Yeah, I, I don't know. I really like it. Like, if anybody wants to play, like, I'll, I'll play with you for a little bit. I don't... I think it's great. It's, but it's, it is hard to get used to the control. My brother stopped. He couldn't get you. But he was also younger back then. He couldn't really get the idea of it. Yeah. Now he's decent. I mean, if my stepfather can figure it out, bro, anyone can figure it out. He's not the world's greatest gamer, but he puts his effort in there. When Ubisoft announced it, because I think they announced it, everyone was like, oh, it's a bit left field, like a, a multiplayer sword fighting game. It's not what mm-hmm. we expected from you. but It intrigued me, man. I know in some circles, yours particular, it's gone down really well, and there's a, a real hard clientele of... Hardcore fans absolutely love it. Yeah. I've yeah, never it's, played it's, it. It's Maybe interesting. I need, do I need to give my head a wobble and get it down? It's, it's multiplayer, though, isn't it? So. It's multi. That's, a, that's the problem with it, though. Like, if you don't have any friends, it's very boring. Mm. Because even if you're playing a team-based... It's only four on four. So even if you're playing a team-based game, most of the people, like in every multiplayer game, don't know what they're doing anyway. So they just yeah. wreak havoc. And then they're like, oh, why are we losing? Because you're supposed to capture the flag, not kill everybody. But if you do get a couple guys that are decent, then you could have fun. But I, I would prefer if I had a friend on it. Mm. Even just one would make the game a little bit better. Well, that's not me, because I'm about as skilled with a controller as uh, 
I think it, I think if I smeared cat food across my controller and then encouraged the cat to come in and lick it during a four on a playthrough, and I just had the headset on and spoke to you, you'd be like, "You're pretty good at this." Like, yeah, great. That would be better than me. Yeah, <laughs> we, we never know. We got distracted, but I think we covered off the mixer news. Uh, question is, Bobby, and I wonder if you know the answer to this. Did we miss anything? Is there an opinion and take on the news that we missed? Did we miss the stealth drop of, I don't know, the Xbox Series X? Is it actually out to buy tomorrow and I missed a massive piece of news, Bobby? If if we did, how would they get in contact with us and let, let us know just how, how blatantly average we are? If you want to reach us, you can uh, head on over to questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com. You can DM us on either Instagram or Twitter. Uh, that's... Yeah, that's how you contact us and find out if you missed anything or you have any questions for us or Simple. news for us. Well, yeah, Bobby, pretty, pretty easy. this week's feature is the history of Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, Sega's Blue Blur. And we asked, we put a comment up. Uh, we put a post up, actually. I found a picture of, uh, I found a couple of Sega games, Sonic games, and I posed Sonic up and, Took a picture through a gold ring that I've got of uh, from Sega at some point in time. And then underneath, the listeners were able to comment on the Instagram post or the Twitter post with their memories of Sonic, which uh, we've interwoven this week, almost like a tapestry, into the actual feature of the show. And that's how they can interact for the feature. I think we're at that time, Bobby. If uh, if you're ready, I'm ready. If you're ready, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go for it. Down in their starting blocks, they're looking up. They look to the left, and there's the IGN podcast. It it looks a little bit like uh, Mo Farah, and then there's me and you in lanes two and three, looking like <laughs> ourselves, <laughs> wearing jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but we're down in the starting blocks. It's the history of Sonic the Hedgehog. This week, we thought we'd take a look back at the history of one of gaming's most iconic characters, Sonic the Hedgehog. He's been on everything from serials and non-Sega machines, even team up, teaming up with his arch-rival Mario. Heck, this blue dude even has a movie with Jim Carrey. To re- the release of his first game, Sonic the Hedgehog is 1991 between June and July, worldwide launching first in North America on June 23rd. But this wasn't his first appearance in a game. Um, he came first as a weird screen dangler in Radmobile, an arcade racer that, that premiered in February 1991, which eventually got a Saturn port. But let's look back deeply at his creation, his inspirations, and in our opinion, Bobby, his best games. First bit of uh, first listener to get in touch was uh, Road to Thinner Me, aka Stephen. Do you want to read his? Uh, what's he got to say for himself, Bobby? He says, uh, "All right, here's my tuppence for what it's worth." Uh, the first time do you I know played what a, a game... do you know what a tuppence is? Sorry to distract you. No, I was going to ask you after. <laughs> have you uh, have you ever seen Mary Poppins and it's feed the birds? Tuppence a bag. Tuppence, tuppence, oh. tuppence a bag. It's actually an old English saying for two pennies. Tuppence. Really? If you say, here's my tuppence worth. Two. Here's my two, two pennies worth. Yeah. That's, I'm going to everybody over here now in the neighborhood. <laughs> they're they're going to think, when did... Well, you, you, you're obviously 
a flat sitting for Tom. So they probably just think that you're Tom doing a voiceover for some sort of a American underarm deodorant or something. But you're now talking about your wages, which is tuppence. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've, I've, I've interrupted you on your most eloquent read through of uh, Stephen's line. So uh, <laughs> off you go. <laughs> he says, all right, so here's my tuppence for what it's worth. Uh, the first time I played a Sonic game was one uh, that was built into the Mega, into the Sega Master System. Some had Alex Kidd, and if you were lucky as me, you got Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm. I never played anything like this before. The power-ups and the level design was was amazing. I remember just leaving Sonic standing on his own in the game without pressing buttons and seeing him look at me while tapping his toe. I remember that too. Yeah. Um, a lot of really good Sonic games would come after this one, but this one. The one on the mega on the Sega Master System will always hold a special place in my heart. That was a a very eloquent and nice memory from uh, Stephen there, wasn't it? And some mm-hmm. of that sort of, I would say, attitude from Sonic, where he would sort of fold his arms, look at the screen, and tap his toe. We didn't yeah, have that up. sort of sass from Mario, did we? We didn't have mm-hmm. that sort of sass from other other characters. Probably came after like Cool Spot and and those sorts of cretins, but. Sonic, to me, was the guy who sort of led that night is tood, as we would call it. Uh, yeah. I think I might be wrong, but something tells me from memory that Master System game actually managed to come out over here anyway before the Mega Drive game came out, which obviously was most famous for. Really? Hmm. I'll probably get... This is one of these moments where they can use the DM or Twitter or email to come and say, George... You're talking at your backside, friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, the year was 1990, and Sega president uh, Hayoi, uh, and this is where I absolutely slaughter the Japanese names as always. <laughs> you know, how I pronounce this is probably how they pronounce fish eater, but I'll do my best. President Hayoi Nakayama decided Sega needed a mascot to compete with Nintendo's Mario. Nakayama saw potential in the idea Sega. Uh, needed a character star in a game that could demonstrate the power of the Genesis and Mega Drive console, so we organized an internal competition to develop a character that would go down well in America. Among the various teams working on proposals was artist Naoto Oshima and programmer Yuji Naka. The gameplay of Sonic the Hedgehog, the 1991 game, originated with a tech demo created by Naka, who had developed an algorithm that allowed a sprite to move more smoothly on a screen by determining its position within a dot matrix. Narka's prototype was a platform game that involved a fast-moving character rolling in a ball through a long, winding tube. Sega management accepted the duo's project, and they were joined by designer Hirokazu Yashura. Please, message in and let me know if I've just pronounced dog food in Japanese, or worse. (laughs) Uh, Next up, now, a loyal part of the community bobby retro gamer thomas a man that you've got to know through the show's discord and community um they can get on the show's discord by clicking on the instagram page or the twitter page and following the link tree why don't you put some words in the console serial killer's mouth and uh let's see what he would sound like as as an american as an american okay so retro gamer thomas says oh boy i love sonic i know this will put a few people's noses out of a joint but to me personally, he's better than Mario. I agree. There, I said it. Sorry, Tom. My first Sonic <laughs> game was the original back on my Mega Drive. God, I love that game. Uh, back in my little, back in my little end bedroom, playing it on my Orin 14-inch portable handheld. 
uh, oh, hand-me-down TV from my sister with Prodigy on my AWA cassette recorder and my Reebok pumps on the desk. <laughs> Never completed it when I was young, but I have revisited since, and I have completed it now. I love the colors with the U. That's, in, that's interesting. The different music on each stage that fitted <laughs> it so well. <laughs> but above all, it was the speed. I couldn't believe my Mega Drive could make something move that quick and proceeded to tell all my friends to come around and see how quickly my 16-bit powerhouse was. It was the same with Sonic 2, but with the added speed boost you could do was amazing. Sadly, though, as Sonic moved into the 3D realms of gaming, I fell away from the Blue Hedgehog a bit. I just feel his best games were, on the two, were, on the, were in a 2D world. So when Sonic Mania came out, and I had to have a special edition, which takes pride of a, which take a pride place in my collection. Shaman came with a download code, and I don't know it's it's my age or my vastly enlarged sausage fingers, but I'm rubbish at it now. Oh, now I need a 14-year-old RGT with a flat top and a hyper-colored T-shirt to blast through Sonic Mania for me now. <laughs> Uh, that's how we spell color. We slapped a U in it for some reason. Yeah, certain would you add a U, right? Why not? You know, why not? We've got a couple of vowels kicking around. It's like Scrabble. <laughs> we'll throw it in here. Uh, have you ever heard of a hypercolor T-shirt before? No. In this country in the nineties, you weren't. It, it looked like a tie dye, but it changed color depending on how hot you were. So this thing was able to change color depending on your body temperature. Oh, wow. It looked like a great idea, but quite often in the 90s, you know, deodorant wasn't as strong as it was around your purse. So you'd have people with great big pink patches under their arms because (laughs) the type of color t-shirt had changed color under their armpits and they had like sweat marks underneath their man boobs. And that would obviously change the color of the t-shirt as well. So probably great on a ripped and toned uh, model in a magazine with his hypercolor yeah. t-shirt on and he's got a handprint on it and he's changed the color in reality these things just highlighted how sweat and hot yours brits can get on a, a muggy summer afternoon this retro gamer thomas before he became a console serial killer he obviously was a pinup boy for the 90s because he's got his reebok pumps on he's got prodigy playing <laughs> on his iowa cassette recorder this guy's got a mega drive he is. He was the nineties personified there, wasn't he? He sent me back right there. That's for sure. <laughs> if only he could bring himself forward. Uh, I'll do this. Uh, Daisy Newton Five. Me and my brother with my dad playing Sonic when we were little on Mega Drive and Game Gear. Thumbs up heart emoji. Well, that's a pleasant memory. If ever there was one. Um. Do you want to do a paragraph or three? Okay. Um, after Yashura, I'm worse than you with these names. So no, I think you're probably better than me, actually. After Yashura joined Nika and Oshima, their their uh, focus shifted up to Hero, who Sega hoped could become its mascot. Sonic was initially a rabbit able to grasp objects with pencil ears, prehensile ears. Yeah, that's prehensile the ears. yeah, kind of like uh, what's his name, Rystar, I guess. Well, but that's the concept. Carry on. Oh, we'll get to that. But the but the concept proved too complex for a while, uh, complex for available hardware. But it did see a realization in some form in the game Rystar. Oh, yeah. yeah. So have you played Rystar? Yeah. 
that's what Sonic was meant to be like when it that was initially how that game was going to be, and obviously it ended up on the development scrap heap for a little while, and then obviously I think Rise Star. I might be wrong, but I might remember it out of order. It feels like Rise Star came right towards the end of the Genesis life rather than being one of those original games. Yeah, I really don't remember it. Like I remember it after two. I don't remember that that early. Interesting. Hmm. Um. um I'll just, I... Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll move on. Um. The team moved on to the team moved on to animals that could roll into a ball and eventually settled on Sonic a blue hedgehog created by Oshima. During development, he was rather unfortunately known as Mr. Needlemouse, but <laughs> thankfully changed to the much cooler sounding Sonic Nokia's, not Nokia's prototype, was then fleshed out with Oshima's character design and levels conceived by Yashura. Mm. Um, uh, I'll go. Sonic's color was chosen to match Sega's blue logo and his iconic speakers evolved from a design in... You won't get away with this these days. A design inspired by Michael Jackson's boots. The red and white color was inspired by Santa Claus. I tried to get this last bit in, in American style. Santa Claus and the cover of Jackson's 1987 album, Bad. His personality, and you won't get away with this either. His personality was based on Bill Clinton's can-do attitude. Uh, <laughs> the antagonist, Dr. Eggman, was another character Oshima had designed for the contest. The development team thought the abandoned design was excellent and retooled the character into a villain. The team from this point on would be known as the iconic Sonic team for the game's release. If I came to you now and said, I want to design this character loosely around Bill Clinton, I want to, I want to cross between Bill Clinton, Santa Claus, and Michael Jackson, you'd be like, shut it down, dude. That is not... That is not... Is this for kids? Like, yeah. You can't have a character that appeals to kids through the medium of Michael Jackson. Santa Claus and Bill Clinton. They like are in the nineties. That <laughs> and and strangely in the nineties. Although I always have a bit of a soft spot for MJ. I think he got a bit of a kicking in the press. To be fair, but mm-hmm. uh, MJ's perceived interesting relationship with children. Santa Claus, a man that comes down the chimney and empties his sack in a kid's living room, and Bill Clinton, a man that's. Uh, seemingly quite forceful in his approaches towards female colleagues. That's that's a recipe for disaster. That's crazy. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy. Uh, and <laughs> no more an iconic character you couldn't imagine, but Sega of America president Tom Kalinstig wasn't convinced that this uh, character would catch on in his home country. He decided, uh, much to Sega Japan's anguish, that he would make it a pack-in for the Genesis in North America, replacing Altered Beast. He couldn't have been more wrong, stroke right, as Sonic was a hit, and it sold many, many machines, and as a result, and it became a pack-in in Europe too. Now, I've, I think in the Mega Drive episode, we sort of doubled down on that. Can you imagine... They've Japan spent all this time and money coming up like let's do some focus groups. What we're going to do? We need this cool character. We need to base him on MJ, Santa Claus, and <laughs> and Bill Clinton. Yeah, this is going to work. Tell Tom we've got an idea. Great game. Wanted to sell thousands of it. And then you find out what he's giving this game away for free. Is Tom Kalinsky insane? I want his head on a plate. You know, stop. This guy's actually played a genius move. He's shifting consoles left, right, and Chelsea. Um. You'd think that would be insane, 
We don't see packing games anymore, do we? Really? Not unless it's like a collector's edition. Not really. Do you it's miss the like, packing game? Yeah, because it, it was kind of cool. Like, I remember when I got my my Genesis, it didn't come with um, so it actually with it didn't come with anything. It's just a, it's just a Sega, and I my mom got me Sonic Two and Batman Returns, which was horrible. But I remember my friend um, Alex. What Batman it, Returns was Sonic. horrible. Oh my god, it was horrible. What it made was one of the worst games? I've ever now I've more. I've got it on Mega CD, and the driving bits are brilliant. But the actual, you see, I've also played Batman Returns on the Super NES. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and and that game is amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. But the game on Mega Drive, I don't know what they were doing. I really don't know what they're doing. Well, thankfully, so can you imagine my mom spent, I don't know how much it was back then, what, $34 a game? Yeah. And I got Sonic 2, more. cool. But yeah. then I had Batman Returns, which I loved, and it was like, oh, God. So I really only have one game. Because we, to, to the loyal fans, they'll know that you've got a great relationship with the 1989 Batman film because of the cherished memories it conjures up of your late father. Yeah. When Was he around when Batman Returns came out or not? He was, but he was too sick. I, so, I don't think he saw the release. Does that how did you? When did you see Batman Returns? Did you go to the, to the cinema to see that, or? Yeah, we went to my mom. And my aunt took me to the same theater that he took me when I saw Batman. Okay, but it was you know it was, I like I kind of enjoyed it, but also wish you could see it with me too. So it's kind of like bittersweet that movie for me. As an adult, do you? What do you think about Batman Returns? Do you think it's it's a good movie? I think it's interesting, but I also thought there was a lot going on. They could have done without some plot devices for sure. And I really didn't like how the penguin looked like a penguin. I mean, even as a kid, that kind of annoyed me. Because I oh. thought of like, what's the guy's name from the 66 show? Oh. Uh, I know Meredith Burgess did. Danny Burgess, DeVito. Danny DeVito. No, 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 from the 66 TV show. Oh, and uh, I can't remember his name. Not his name. Is it Burgess Meredith, you just said? Is I, think the guy... has, I think he did the Riddler. No, I, I think, I think that's, uh, that is the Penguin, because the guy who played oh, right. uh, Rocky's yes. Corner Man was yes, the guy yes, who played yes. Penguin in the 66. You're right. I had it Batman. confused. Um, I just always thought that that's how he would look, just like a chubby guy. Because even in the cartoons, he was chubby. And then when you saw the movies, like, did Tim Burton not even read a comic book? Why is he a penguin? I, I, maybe it's because of our lack of exposure to Batman as a franchise, but I, th- I liked Batman 1989. But I thought... I, I had a, like a... I didn't like horror. I was like very easy scared as a kid. I think I've got an overactive <laughs> imagination, so these things would live on in my memory after. But Batman Returns was just my kind of my right kind of dark, and I I liked. I don't. I personally liked the Penguin. He wasn't like a penguin, but he obviously had lived in the sewers and he had all this matted hair and he was a state. And yeah, I kind of I kind of liked it. Catwoman was not so great. But Keaton's Batman, I just wish that Burton had stuck around and done a third one that was actually good because after that, it went downhill. I see those as the two movies and that's it. Everything after that's kind of like, no. Yeah. Yeah, I I pretend they don't even exist in my mind, actually. You've gone back and you've erased them. I saw them in a theater too and it was like, oh, let me get out of here. I... uh, 
I saw Batman at home on a video rental and memory serves. I think it was the first film in the UK to get a 12 rating. Uh, so it was really? like, like a harder than a PG, but it wasn't a 15 and to get it so they could sell this toys to kids and let kids go mm-hmm. see it, you know, putting a 12 on it was, I guess that was the way to do it. Someone will come in messaging next week, but like, actually the first 12 was this. No, I don't remember it that way, but I think I actually, now, I've won two competitions in my life. One of them was to uh, one of them was to go to Disneyland, but the runner-up prize, and I've got it here, but it's got tape rock. The runner-up prize was to get this, Return of the Jedi on rental. Oh, and I wow. watched the absolute wheels off that as a kid. Unfortunately, it got stored That's in cool. a, it got stored in a garage and it got rot. Uh, oh. so it's not really watchable now, but I've kept it because just that box art to me is like on memories. And one of the other things I won, and I can't remember what competition it was, but it was a pair of Batman boxer shorts that were too big for me. So they kind of just fell down. And when I got old yeah. enough to wear them, I was a bit too embarrassed to wear them. You know, like when you get to be a teenager, you don't be rocking around in a pair of Batman pants. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I also won a book. Now I've ransacked my parents' house. I can't find it, but it was, it was a, it was a piece. It was a, a book that was the making of Batman. I don't know why we've gone down Batman sideline here, but it's a Sonic retrospective after all. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, this Batman book was great. It had loads of like concept art in it. I'll try and find it uh, like a one on eBay, and I'll send you a link, Bobby. Um, okay. So we, I tell you how I tell you how we got down that bizarre tangent because I asked you if you missed the packing games. You know, oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. themed box art. There was nothing really special about the console back in the day, but it was a slip cover for the case that suggested that you were getting something special inside, like Lion King yes. or or Aladdin. Uh, anyway, Tom Kalinsky's gamble ended up the original Sonic game helped Sega secure sixty five percent of the North American market. With the, that's amazing. A sequel was made was much needed to further develop the character and enhance sales penetration. Sadly, Naka was upset with Sega and felt he received little credit for his involvement in the iconic Blue Hedgehog success. He quit. And here's a name will uh, seem familiar to people now. He was quit, but hired by Mark Cerny to work at the U.S.-based Sega Technical Institute, aka STI, with a higher salary and more creative freedom. There's a way to go where leave your boss, leave your work, but end up working for the same company on more money in America. You sure also decide to move to STI. Uh, now, one thing I would say about the Sega Technical Institute is it's abbreviated to STI, which strangely also has the same abbreviation of a sexually transmitted infection. So I don't know what to say about that. Anyway, they began working on Sonic Hedgehog 2 in uh, November 1991. Level artist Yashu Yamaguchi designed Sonic's new sidekick, Tails, a flying two-tailed fox inspired by the mythological Kitsune. Uh, Like its predecessor, Sonic the Hedgehog was a major success, but its development suffered from the language barrier and cultural differences between the Japanese and American developers. One thing I'd say about that is, I don't think you'd tell, because I feel out of all the Sonic games, 2 is a masterpiece. Um, While STI 
which we jokingly refer to them, developed Sonic 2. Oshima led a team in Japan to create Sonic CD for the Genesis and Mega Drive CD-ROM accessory, the Sega CD or the Mega CD. It was convinced it was conceived as an enhanced port Sonic 2, but eventually evolved into a totally separate project, more based on Sonic 1's play, styles of play than the sequel. Have you played Sonic CD? No. I never had a Sega CD. Did you know? Thirty-two bit. No, I I missed out on that. Wow. Was it? Yeah. Was it? Was it big in the states? The Mega CD. Were people in the mm-hmm. playground talking about it? Was like, did like X Y Z have a? Did you know a kid at your school that had a Sega CD? No, none of my friends had it at all. We either had a very few of us had a Super Nintendo and a Sega. Right. And then most of us just had one or the other. But none of us had any attachments to this at all until my friend got one much later on, you know, like in his early 20s. But I still haven't never played one. He hasn't, but I never played it yet. So I can only imagine what they look like. Unfortunately. Now, the cool thing about, well, it's hard to do an episode on the Mega CD, but to, to counteract the sprite scaling abilities of the Super Nintendo, you know, with that Mode 7 uh, stuff they talk about, the Mega mm-hmm. CD's got a board in it that's actually got on it sprite scaling capabilities better than the snes but if you're a a video games producer or developer and and you can either put in a magazine a screenshot of night trap that looks real life because it's a real life movie or you can put in a game that just looks like a a mega drive or a super nintendo game you're going to put in those fmv games because all the kids like me who only there's no internet so you got this magazine you get it home you open up oh my mom dad look at this this mega cd's like real life graphics i'm like well it's too expensive boy and you know you've got your atari st upstairs and you know that's good enough and like it's like those memes you see where it's like mom can we have ps4 and it's like we've got ps4 at home and then there's like a picture of like i don't know what it is a waffle maker (laughs) (laughs) that's that that's my life so i think the the cd add-on other than sega c the sonic cd is like a must-have game for it i have to admit but uh and it uses all the sprite scaling and all that cool stuff but uh night trap it's you know night trap plays like one of those sort of you know those dvd games where you basically hit a button it just takes you to another chapter yeah yeah like the, the FMV games on Mega Driver, you have to press A, B, or C, or whatever to get to this certain chapter. You need to do this combo, but it's limited to like two seconds to input it as it's game over. And the, <laughs> I've got this game called Tom Cat Alley, and it's like, do this now. And I was like, oh, I don't, classic me. I put it in, didn't read the instructions, nothing. Do this now, don't do it. Get back to base. It's like, oh, really? So <laughs> just cut back to base every time. Absolute drivel. Uh, where do we get to? Do you want to take that next part? Okay. Uh, once developed on Sonic 2, finished, CUNY left to be replaced by Roger Hector. Under Hector, STI was divided into two teams, the Japanese developers led by Nakia and the American developers. The Japanese began work on Sonic the Hedgehog 3, uh, which was initially developed as an isometric game using Sega Virtual... Uh, virtual processor chip but uh restarted as more conventional 2d game after the svp was delayed i can only think of one SV gate, F- svp game that came out and it was the mega drive port of um virtual racing that was uh 
Can you believe that game at launch was like 125 pounds, 125 US dollars for one game? Because of the tech that was in it. And now, right, in the UK, you get that game for like a fiver. <laughs> Technology, man. It's wild. Sega, what's that quote from Jeff Goldblum on Jurassic Park? Sega was so wrapped up with the idea that they could, they never, sh- they never stopped for a moment to think whether they should. Here's a, man, here's a man Brett himself he's messaging he says how enjoyable was split screen Sonic 2 as a youngster but in retrospect how rotten was that slowdown yeah I'll give him that uh, also Carlos Saxos has got in touch he says I remember my mate Mike getting Sonic 2 when it was released and we played it loads up in his room on his little CRT he only had one controller for his Mega Drive, not even an unofficial one. <laughs> but he did have a joystick for his Amiga. So with it being the same type of input, we tried it in the Mega Drive, and to our amazement, it worked. The hours we then had playing, not only the split-screen racing mode, but the single-player game with him as Sonic and me as Tails, naturally as it was his game. Yeah, default two-player. It's my console, my game, I'm Sonic and you're Tails, and that's, that's how that's yeah. going. And guest etiquette says yes, no problems, no matter what you say. Uh, nice little memory. Have you ever? Are you? You're the elder sibling, aren't you? From memory. Yeah. So, did you ever get relegated to the the poo character, or were you always the no, number was the one player? Yeah, I was number one. I was an elder child as well, so I. My sister was never into video games, so I didn't really need to share. And when friends came over, it was always. I was joystick one because you're you're kind of steering the whole computer, aren't you? You're like the boss mm-hmm. man. You're the captain. Yeah. So it's like I I decide, uh, and they quietly like, yeah, no problems. They they quite happy pick up the second input method and uh, politely play. The Have only time ever... I this. let uh, oh sorry, the only time I let my sister pick wasn't like a beat 'em up game. Yeah, whoever she wanted to be, she could be because for some reason she just was an absolute beast in beat 'em ups. So I just followed her. A lot of the games we beat together and beat them up were because of her. But she couldn't jump on a platform and save her life, but she could beat <laughs> the last boss in Streets of Rage. I don't, I don't get it at all. Is her name Christy? Christy, yeah. So Christy channeled this inner female rage, which she, as an adult, has probably unlocked in different forms. <laughs> yes. through, through the medium of the beat-em-up on the Sega machines or the Super Nintendo machines, and you and she basically bossed the living wheels out yeah, of these games yeah, pretty much what was That's your funny. favorite game beat him up with her as a kid growing up um streets of rage 2 we played a lot of that is a great game and then um the hyperstone heist the turtle game we played oh, that a lot too. oh that's yeah. good question good. for you i know this is the sonic retrospective big question for you what's the better game turtles in time or hyperstone heist Hmm. I would say Hyperstone Heist. Really? Only because Turtles in Time wasn't it wasn't an arcade port. Hmm. So you kind of had already everything there. They just had to port it down. Yeah. Where I think you had to do everything like original with the Hyperstone Heist. I think yes. it's, I think Hyperstone Heist is a little longer. Not that that matters. I just feel like it's a little bit more fluid. That's just my opinion, though. Who the hell am I? <laughs> <laughs> you- you are the host of Bobby's World Podcast and the Platinum Munching Machine. 
chronicles of a gamer on Instagram. I don't think really uh, anyone else's opinion matters as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, the game introduced Sonic's rival, Knuckles, created by artist Takesha Thomas Yuda. Uh, he's got a more pronounceable name as far as I'm concerned. Due to an impended promotional activity with uh, McDonald's and cartridge size constraints, the project was split in two. The first half, Sonic 3, was released in February 94, while the second, Sonic and Knuckles, launched a few months later. Now, I've heard conflicting reports about this. I've also heard that the game was just too big and unfinished for them to get out in time for that holiday release so they split it down either which way this was a really early form of dlc the sonic and knuckles cartridge contains an adapter that allows players to connect it to sonic 3 so the game can be experienced as intended sonic 3 and sonic and knuckles as with their predecessors were acclaimed when sega management realized sonic the hedgehog 3 would not be completed in time for the holiday season it commissioned the American team to make a new game, the spin-off Sonic Spinball. While Spinball was poorly received, it sold well and helped build the reputation of its developers. Sonic Spinball is actually, in well, my opinion, a great game and well worth looking at. Bobby, what's your thoughts on Sonic Spinball? I enjoyed it for what it was, mm. but I wasn't really like a pinball kind of guy, at least in the you know controller form. Yeah, but it was I quite, interesting. It was I quite like the fact that you as you came down the pinball board, as it was, these levels, you could actually grab stuff for Sonic and, you know, you had to implement, you know, Sonic-style gameplay to some degree. I, I thought it was, a, it was certainly a left-field solution. Like, what are we going to do? Let's turn them into a pinball game. Yeah, that was, that was crazy. But make it like a vertical platform game at the same time. Pretty good idea. Did you have... Now, I never had a Sega growing up, so I've experienced these as an adult. Had you moved away from the Sega world at this point when Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles came out, or were you all over these like a rash as well? No, um, I got actually got Sonic 3 for my birthday, which is February 4th. Wow. And in, I don't know if they did it for you, for you guys, but in America, Sonic uh, February 2nd was called Hedgehog Day, and I was never released here. Now, so I got it a- as an early birthday gift from my mom. So oh, I was wow. kind of surprised she got me that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We had something in when Sonic 2 came out, I think in November or sometime around there, we had a day it was there was marketing everywhere for it. It was called Sonic Tuesday and it came out on a Tuesday. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah that's, they call it Hedgehog Day here. Hedgehog Day. Is, yeah, which is kind of like Groundhog Day but whatever. Oh, I funny. see. But they posted it, I mean on bus on buses. My school had a poster somehow in the main hallway I'm like wow. why, is this, why is this doing what is this doing here i don't know who put it there but it's like, everyone knew it was coming out like you did not if you had it you were the man the school superintendent at the time took a big <laughs> bung off <laughs> kalinsky didn't he <laughs> give us the big money it's going up in the schools uh so what are his best games well obviously the genesis mega drive originals still play and hold it really well but what about the others uh ever played any of the game gear master system games bobby no what about my spell check is terrible. Sonic R on the Sage Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never had a Sega Saturn. No, okay. Well, there was Sonic R and there was a compilation game. Sonic R was a game, I think, developed by Traveller's Tales, who are now famous for the Lego games. Oh, remember okay. that? And I think they yeah. also did Sonic 3D, which was on the Mega Drive, that isometric game. Did you play that? No. Nope. See if it's not Sonic 2D, don't <laughs> get out. What Pretty, about... I think they'll... Sonic Adventure, uh, the Dreamcast or GameCube. Did you play that? No, never played it. Um, were you, by I the time the Dreamcast though. came out, 
were you like fully invested in the PlayStation ecosystem at that point, or were you still dotting and darting around? Were you like Nintendo dude, or where were you at with gaming at that point in time? No, it, definitely the PlayStation. But I was late to the party for the PlayStation. Uh, maybe like two years late. So everyone had all these cool games that I only had my Sega and my Super Nintendo. That's pretty much it. And then I got the PlayStation late, and I, I just never had enough money or time to get, you know, everything else. So I just stuck with that and just kept going. Double back. I got it used from a friend. What the original PlayStation? Yeah, he gave it to me for like fifty bucks. So have you? Wow, who's it with games? Yeah, and two controllers. He's like, look, Bobby, off. I've seen you're still playing the Mega Drive and the, the Super Nintendo, dude. I call it fifty bucks. This is yours. This is this is how you this is how you hook a dude up. And I actually bought it my own money because I had a job. I was wow. a butcher, like a butcher at that age. Really? Yeah, I was like fourteen or fifteen. Does that mean that if I brought in a dead animal now, you could sort of sharpen the knife up and you could like cleave me off a steak from it? Yeah, I know how to cut certain things like that. Yeah, I did chickens at first because they're easy to learn. Yeah, and then I would cut like you know uh, sirloin or, or flaming young, all that good stuff. Wow. Yeah, I did that for five years. In the meat are market. You, are you what? Would you class yourself as a qualified butcher if you went out in the streets, the uh, hot city streets of New York now, and you're like, look, listen. Mr. APC Butchers, I, I need to hook up. Look, I, I know my way around the anatomy of a cow. Would I you go I back could, to that? I could if I had to. I probably could. It would take a little bit of time, but I mean, just for, mem- for memory, really. Were there and any downsides? Were there any downsides to the butchery acne. trade? Acne. Just, I, I got unbelievable acne. I think that it was, was from just blood or? all over my face. I don't know from what it was because. I don't know. We had to clean the butcher blocks and maybe the chemicals because we had to use a certain amount of pH with the bleach and to clean the butcher block with a, it's like a handle with nails. So you have to put like sawdust on top of the butcher block to soak everything up. And then you would have to just scrape with all your might, the whole butcher block until a certain amount of uh, wood came off and then put a special thing on it. It was a lot of cleaning. So I don't know if it was the cleaning or just the raw meat all the time. But as soon as I, I got another job and left, the acne just started going away. So it could have been either my just teenage years yeah, or the butcher. We'll, we'll never know. But I think it was from the butcher. What if we what if we say a heady mix of the two? It just wasn't a, a yeah. good place in time been, for you. It wasn't probably not a good place. Yeah, that, that, that's good. I'll take that. Okay. Um, so Sonic Adventure, you've played it on the PlayStation, presumably. Uh, the newest one that came out for the PSN? No, the this is like, I think it came out, on, I don't know if you got a PS2 release or not, it's definitely on the GameCube. So tell me where you next picked up Sonic. I guess the Sonic Adventure, whatever, on the PSN. I don't know what year it was, but I, I have that one. That's the last one I played. I never played any of like, the 3D ones. So you've only played 2D Sonic? That's it, yeah. Wow. Well, during his... During his teenage years sonic ended up on the dreamcast another on the gamecube with the 3d style gameplay and he's probably not aged as well as the 2d games i've got a soft spot for sonic adventure one and two i i've got them on dreamcast and i think they're pretty good they've got some unique features like you can like take these sort of strange creatures called chows 
I think they're called chows. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. There's a funny story. For years, there's this board game over here called uh, Hero Quest. Mm-hmm. And I used to sit and read the book. It's like Swords and Sorcery, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons, but like a simplified version for kids to play. And in it is this warrior called the Chaos Warrior. And there's a shop where I grew up near us called Chaos Discount. But as a mm-hmm. kid, without any other, you know, your parents correcting you because I was reading this thing on my own, in my head I called them, I thought it was pronounced Chars instead of Chaos. <laughs> I thought it was pronounced Chars. And one day we pulled out of this junction. I went, oh, it's Chars Discount. And my mum was like, what? I was like, it's Chars. <laughs> and she's like, no, that's Chaos. And I was like, oh. Oh, that makes a lot of sense that they'd call that the Chaos Warrior in that game. So whether these are little chaoses or whether they're chars, I don't know. I call them chows. Uh, There's an interesting story for you. Uh, And then, obviously, I haven't played played this Sonic Mega Mix or Sonic Mania or any of these 2D games, the new ones, at all. Because there was like Sonic Generations. It was like three, like a 3D but side-on Sonic that then played a riff through some of those other games. Sonic's... He got long legs in the late 90s and developed a little bit of a different character, didn't he? He went from that cute little 90s dude to being in his, his awkward sort of teenage years where he looked a little bit yeah. cool. Looks yeah, like I, a, I don't know. The, the, the design was just, I don't know, very strange looking. I don't know why they did that. No, me neither. If you had to double down, you're upon a cross and a Roman's got a spear to your side and he said, Bobby, I can ease your passing if you tell me what your personal favorite Sonic game is. What would you splurt out? I, I would say Sonic 2. Sonic 2? Yeah. You see, I'd be like, well, it depends, Roman, you know. You know, I like Sonic 2, I do, but I think I might prefer Sonic. Oh, by that time, he's cut me. But, you know, I'd either double down on Sonic Adventure, uh, which I think is a great game, or that original. Sonic 1, it just hasn't got some of the bits in that we've now kind of, like, drilled down as being core Sonic ideas, whereas Sonic 2 seems to have all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the music from Sonic CD is absolutely amazing. You need to check out the PAL music for Sonic CD when we finish. Okay. It's, uh, if you're not walking around Tom's apartment barefoot, making fists with your toes, all right, singing the music to Sonic CD, you are no longer a man. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The last list of the comments, we've got Comic Picture 79. Obviously, at my age, I've played a lot of Sonic games. Uh, Comic Pictures 79 is the artist of the show and you can check him out on Etsy at uh, Comic Pictures No Space. He goes on to say, and while I might sometimes agree that he's better than Mario, I probably wouldn't always say that. I think 1, 2 and 3 and much later 4 are great examples of 2D platformers and the early ones are obviously genre leaders. But for me, the one that had the biggest impact was Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast. You see, I can agree with some of what he says. Not all of it, but some of it. I remember getting the machine and a bunch of games, Sonic included, really close to launch, and myself and at Clark photo, at Clark underscore photo, fired it up in his parents' living room. We were blown away by the graphics and the speed for being in a 3D game and that soundtrack. Still think it's a brilliant game. For me, the only Mario game that had as much impact was Super Mario World, and I was much younger and much more easily impressed. Now, he talks there of a... We like to hear the listeners' memories. And did you ever, I presume when you played uh, Sega 
or Nintendo as a kid growing up? You had a TV in your bedroom? Yeah. Small, you, silent TV. Yeah, but did you ever, maybe when the parents were out or you asked, bring the console downstairs and plug it into the main TV and it felt like a really premium experience because you had it on the big telly? I remember we went to my aunt's house a little around the corner mm-hmm. and her fiance, Uncle Brian, her fiance had like the top of the line Sony TV with those huge 90s speakers and everything and a subwoofer and we played Mortal Kombat and oh. I thought I was in the arcade, man. I mean, that was just, the neighbor was banging on the door. It was, <laughs> <laughs> so that it's was a, awesome. It feels a little bit like you're on, bor- you're on like uh, borrowed time, doesn't it? It's like you plug yes. it in the big screen, you're like, oh my goodness, I've never seen it look like this. It looks incredible. Oh, I want more. I should imagine playing it on a Sony TV back in the day was like, uh, oh, it was unbelievable, dude. It was a Mortal Kombat as well. But then when you're done, go back to your house and you're back to your room, you're like, oh, okay. Well, there goes the surround sound, <laughs> your monotone speaker. <laughs> On a <laughs> screen it. no bigger than some phones these days. Yeah. Absolutely savage. Oh, uh, Rose Space Monk, who we know affectionately as Doogie, he's played Sonic 1 and he says he's played Sonic. Well, why don't you put some vo- words in uh, Rose Space Monk's mouth? So he said he played Sonic 1 and 2 on my old Mega Drive. Absolutely loved them. Uh, then I had Sonic and Sonic Chaos for Master System. Sonic Chaos is a fantastic game that never really gets mentioned much. I then eagerly awaited the next Sonic game on the Saturn. However, that never happened. Don't get me wrong, I love Sonic Jam and Sonic R. The latter has not aged too well, but loved it at the time. Uh, Sonic Jam gave us a glimpse into what a 3D Saturn game could have been. The best moment, though, was uh, playing Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast launch day. I'll never forget how amazed I was by the graphics, and that first level with the killer whale was mind-blowing. Very, very true. Uh, Here's another uh, loyal fan of the show, Um, Finstergamer. Do you want to put some words in Finstergamer's mouth? What's he got to say? He said, I always struggled to get into Sonic games as a kid. I loved watching other people play them, but I personally couldn't do much more than just running as fast as I could, smashing into an enemy, losing all my rings, and then start running again. If anything, I enjoyed the boss, the, the boss battles more, as they didn't involve flying across the screen faster than I could work out what to do with. Work out what to do. Which is uh, true. A lot of my sister did that often. Yeah, it's uh, the good thing about Sonic is. No, more often than not, you can normally just about pick up one ring, and that gives you that sort of almost level of invincibility, doesn't mm-hmm. it? So he's hit you again, that's fine, there's a ring, I've got it. Sometimes in my desperation to pick the ring up without any rings, I'd get caught and it'd be like, it'd do that sort of leap out the screen, like, wah! Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dubai Jim's written in, he says, Sonic sped in, stole my heart on the Master System, and solidly sped my Game Gear, and I solidly... Swapped my Game Gear for that Mega Drive, skipping school on Sonic Tuesday. There we go. There's reference to it. Archaeologically, mm-hmm. we've now got two bits of evidence suggest it wasn't one of my fever dreams, Bobby. To pick up my <laughs> 9 a.m. copy from Comet, that's a, an electronics outlet here. This was my definitive 2D Sonic, although the lock-on tech of Sonic 3 was another at the time example of how Sega did what Nintendo don't. Uh, however, after dallying with a snare Sonic adventure with its mind-blowing 3D world, speech, that whale opening, the soundtrack in amazing layers, the chaos or the 
chows on the <laughs> on the VMUs, <laughs> like Tamagotchi, then affecting the game. This was my world and had me saving my salary from my first post-uni job to be there, front of the line in October 1999 for my Dreamcast. Sigh. Sonic and the VMU. I love the 2D platforms and encourage my kids to play them on the, my Mega Drive Mini, but that combo of machine and game makes Sonic Adventure my dream daddy of a Sonic game. Happy days. I have to say, I'm probably quite firmly in Dubai Jim's camp there. I had a Dreamcast pretty much at launch, and uh, I only had one game for it, you know, how you trade everything in to get your brand new console in the one game. Mm-hmm. And everything got pawned in for this uh, Sonic Adventure and a demo disc and a Dreamcast. And I was stoked, Bobby. I really was. Um, do you want to do... If you do if you do C. Pliskin, I'll send us to the bridge with the fabulous Harvey Retro. Okay. Uh, C. Pliskin says, Honestly, as much as I understand why many people make fun of the series from the games I played, I actually think they're a lot better than what some may think. I actually got started with the series at a young age when a friend of mine at seven showed me Green Hill Zone from Sonic 1 on the Mega Collection Plus on PS2. I then later got Sonic Heroes as a birthday gift also for the PS2, Sonic Unleashed for the Wii when I was eight or so, Sonic Colors for Christmas when I was 10, and Generations the following year. Actually, wasn't until the reveal of Sonic Media and Forces that I started to look back on the series. I more so play the games just for the music, though, because while the series has a rough uh, has a has had a rough track, I know the music either on Spotify or my MP3 like Sunset Heights, Escape from the City, Act Two, mm. Aquarium Park, or Endless Possibilities will always remain some of my most frequently played tracks. Maybe that's why our birthdays are so close together. He's he's. Met, I wonder if C. Pliskin's almost like Sonic realized in human form. <laughs> right. we'll never know now he likes all this music he's got dude he's a cool dude uh sending us to the bridge uh one half of enigmatic productions harvey retro now there's a man who's got a good podcast right yeah trash like tapes it. you like that you're a you're yeah. a horror man as well so you're probably a little mm-hmm. bit more into it than me um do you implore everybody to finish this show finish your show and then rush quickly to the internet to type in Enigmatic Productions or the trash tapes. Is that a big yes, recommend I, from Crime really, of the Gamer? I really enjoy it. I, I really did. I like it. Especially when they go back. Even if you haven't seen the movie, that's okay. Because they give enough info where you know it's, it's going to be a trash movie. But how they talk about it in detail and then give their opinion on it, I, I just think it's amazing. I like how they go in the those trashy movies, man. They are... Uh, and Harvey Retro's hair, it always looks perfectly done in his photos on Instagram. I don't know how he... It looks like he just sort of flicks it up and it just perfectly settles in place. Yeah, 100%. That one head, head flick and that's photo time. That's it. Boom. Snap me, baby. <laughs> Snap me. It's like Austin Powers. Take it now, baby. Unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, Harvey Retro he's, he's sending us to the bridge he's got the luxury of being the last comment in the feature he says the first Sonic game I owned was the Sega Master System version which I remember picking up from Toys R Us I don't know about you guys but I re- really miss that place so many strong memories anyway the Master System version is obviously primitive in comparison to the Mega Drive Stroke Genesis version but what I did like about it is that it does its own thing and it's much more challenging in places 
The first Mega Drive version I had a little later and I was obsessed with it. It was and still is one of the greatest games of all time. My fandom for the Blue Blur was in full force as a kid. I used to draw him all the time and got pretty good. I even painted a dragon version of him for a school project, which can be seen on my Instagram feed if you scroll back far enough. Laughing till I cry emoji. Never played anything past the 16-bit era. The 3D ones never interested me. Looking forward to seeing the movie, actually. I think it's out now to buy. You should buy it and do it on the trash tapes, uh, <laughs> Mr. Retro. But uh, I didn't get the chance when it was in cinemas. I welcomed the return of 90s Jim Carrey. Thought I'd grown out of it. But I'd watched the mask the other day and laughed all the way through it. Laughing till my eyes turn into dying to triangles emoji. I don't actually know what that emoji is. Bobby, so that's the name I've given it. Uh, like that it. brings us to the end of the Sonic feature. Hopefully we brought enough tood and uh, style to the history of Sonic. I'm sure we probably could have done, I'm sure in the comic series, he's got a whole story about who his parents are. But we looked at it from a gameplay development perspective. I didn't want to talk about how he was born under the stars of the <laughs> Chaos Emeralds and, and other drivel. Now, this is a part where I don't know whether Tom's a figment, a shared hallucination of me and his, or whether Stingray's real. So as a third wheel, Bobby, we're going to find out now if you can see him. I don't know what he's been up to this week. It's Sonic. It's a Sonic retrospective. So no doubt Stingray's probably been selling chronic the hedgehog bongs out the back of his bluebird i don't know what they are i don't want to know what they are and i don't know if i want to buy one he's been doing a roaring trade with them um bobby i don't know if you can see him or not but it's time for a peek in what we affectionately call stingray's boot what's nestled between some counterfeit nappies and a dodgy copy of battlefriend all this week these are the new release highlights for the week of june 22nd to june 28th 2020 Listeners, these are out on digital or physical, or will be by the time this podcast in your feed, but could be region-dependent. Have you picked uh, a game out of the boot from the Mighty Stingray? And have you also picked your VHS movie? So what's your mummy mummy, as, as we say? And uh... So from, from this list, I the, uh, the Innsmouth case... Oh, okay. Looks, That's first one out the boot. So do you want to read it out then as well? That'll be, uh, that okay. makes sense. It says the Int's the Int Mouth Case on PC on June 23rd. The Int's Mouth Case is a text adventure game inspired by H.P. Lovecraft and the very first text-based adventure to combine horror and comedy in a fit and proper way. That's a... That's an interesting title you've picked there. Next out the boot, what have we got here? Stingray. I don't know if he... Uh, I presume Stingray speaks all languages. You know, he can speak American, he can speak English, he can speak Chinese, Japanese, but he doesn't communicate verbally. He just nods. <laughs> <laughs> and a point and a wink. Yeah, he, he just sort of, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, he never says no to a deal, the Stingray, so no's not in his vocabulary. SpongeBob SquarePants, Bottle for Bikini Bottom, Battle for Bikini Bottom, Rehydrated on PC, PS4, Xbox One and Switch, June 23rd. Are you ready, kids? The cult classic is back, faithfully remade in Spongetastic Splendor. Play as SpongeBob, Patrick and Sandy and show the evil plankton that crime pays even less than Mr. Krabs. Ooh. That's a... Uh, 
What's my mummy mummy? Oh, I don't know. I'm torn between this next one and the second to last one, aka the penultimate one. I don't know which. I don't know which to go for. Um, I'll go with the penultimate one. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to do this next one? Okay, Star Wars Episode One Racer for the PS4 and Switch. Uh, released June 23rd, take control of a pod racer speeding through flaming methane uh, lakes, Tusken Raider assaults, anti-gravity tunnels, and much more in the pulse-pounding do-or-die fight to the finish line. Uh, key features, choose from 25 playable racers, including Anakin Skywalker, Sebula, and what is that? Rats Tyrell? Sebulba and Rats T- Tyrell. And, oh, yeah, I, I missed mean, the whole word there. You're all good, mate. Uh, a race on track spinning, uh, spanning eight unique worlds, including Tatooine, Baroda, and Malastrail. I think I guess I said that right. It, uh, work in pit droids. I'm not the best, uh, you know, reader. <laughs> work with pit droids to upgrade your pod racer for higher top speeds and acceleration. Discover shortcuts and secrets to master your lap times. I think you do yourself. I think you do yourself an injustice. I think. Uh, you're a very good reader, and I think as a, as as you've chilled, and I don't know why you you're tense recording with uh, a Z list podcaster like myself. <laughs> you being a, a platinum star of the podcasting industry, as far as I'm concerned, you've done uh, you've you've done more than. Oh. Well, I hope to have you, you on again. It. Maybe if Tom if Tom ends up getting stuck in uh, in Vietnam or wherever he's gone, thanks to the Rona. Uh, and you're yeah. you're flat sitting for him. Uh, maybe well, uh, well. come back. I mean, he had everything here ready to go. I was, just hit play. I mean, that's it. Well, I'm I I, I tuned in thinking you, you, it was going to be him, and and you're like, "What's this ringing? What's this?" I put this headset <laughs> on. Like, what's going on? I'm like, "Bobby, is that you?" Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing though? Tom asked me to flat sit. Now you know I've. Uh, have you ate all of his? Have you drank all of his uh, his wine cellar? Have you been down there? No, but he gave me a, a coffee from Guatemala and said use, and then he gave me some fresh water. Is that all he's allowed you? He's generous. I, mean, I haven't opened the refrigerator yet. There's some notes, but I heard this ringing, so I came over here and answered. I should imagine the notes say, "Don't eat this. You're not allowed to touch this." I'm sure this, he has everything nice and neat in the refrigerator. This is, and cannot. Have you ever heard of a thing called foie, foie gras? It's like a, a French pate where you, it's a bit weird because they put a tube down a goose's throat and force feed it corn. So its liver sort of expands and ruptures. And then they cut the liver out, kill the, kill the goose, and then they cut this liver out and make a pate of it. It's, it's quite highbrow and a very rich palate. Uh, it's the sort of thing Tom has. He has it on Rivitas or toast <laughs> that uh, Limpo brings to him. He likes it cut into uh, strips. We call them soldiers here. The sort of thing you dip into a boiled egg. He has it prepared for him like that, so he can just munch on it while he. I think he likes to sort of <laughs> strip to the waist, and he paints in oxy's blood on canvases. Uh, whatever comes to mind. That's the sort of cat Tom is. Uh, if you do the next one, then I'll I'll do the last two, seeing as the penultimate one's my mummy, mummy. Okay, and then we have uh, Almost Gone for the PC or Switch, uh, June twenty fifth. Experience the intricate 
You must have made one of these at school, dioramas. Oh, dioramas and uh, connections of your life and the ripples we all make in this award-winning narrative puzzle game about death, loss, and mental health. Did you have to make uh, dioramas for school projects? I did. I made a uh, Batman Returns diorama (laughs) from the video game. Yeah. Have you still got it? no, I wish. I might. My mom, I have a picture of it somewhere. I could try to see if she has it. It was like in a little Nike shoe box. Oh, man, I, I would love I just, to see that. I just drew some, like, buildings, and then I stuck them with, like, you know, the glue. And I had like, a string hanging for, like, the bat, uh, the bat signal. And I just had a, one Batman and then some guy on the floor. Like, you know, he punched him. And that was my diorama. <laughs> Beautiful. The one and only one I made. I got wow. second place. Because one of the girls, yeah, one of the girls in the class, she kind of cheated. She used actual like toys. I'm like, you're supposed to draw it. Though. They're like, no, it's okay. It's an artist interpretation. I'm like, well, I could have used my actual toys too. What did she? Uh, what toys did she actually use to create this? This I, I don't know. One of the I don't know if it was a Polly Pocket or something similar to that. And she just put a bunch of them in a. I mean, it was cool. She made like almost like a 3D city. Like, there's different ways you could walk in it like a top down almost but it wasn't you know that wasn't the idea but it was kind of cool so I, i'm not mad but well some would say second place bobby some would say the people's champion as far as i'm concerned <laughs> you stuck you. to the spirit of the rules hunting it, simulator yeah. 2 on the ps4 and xbox one june 25th it's open season in a stunning natural environment choose your gear from the best official weapons and accessories and set off with your dog in search of a variety of animal species in this hunting simulation. Explore the plains of Colorado, the Texan desert, and the forests of Europe in vast open worlds. Track down 33 animal species in their natural environment by using the best hunting techniques. Hunt animals with the realistic behaviors and advanced artificial intelligence. Use your hunting dog to track your prey. Labrador retriever, German shorthead pointer, and beagle. Each dog has its own specific hunting attributes. Kit yourself out with over 160 weapons, accessories, and clothing items from the best brands, including Browning, Winchester, Bushnell, Cryptek, and Vernie Karen. Uh, that appeals to me. I can see that being a streaming game. No animals were harmed in the making of this game. <laughs> Got a bond with the dog in it. You never know. It might be fun. Mr. Driller Drill Land on the PC Switch is the next one out of the boot. And it's the last one out of the boot. So June 25th, the popular action puzzle game Mr. Driller Drill Land makes its Western debut on Steam and Switch. You're invited to a secret amusement park known as Drill Land, 500 meters underground. It sounds like a dangerous place, Bobby. It's, uh, it does. And very secret. <laughs> very secret. And drills, if mishandled, can cause pain and death. Um, yes, what's your VHS that you're going to beg mummy for? Uh, Batman 89, because the 31 years ago it was released. Beautiful. A couple that days ago. That makes me feel old. I used to have the uh, VHS, or maybe I still do. I know I have the DVD and the cassette for the music, but not the Prince music, the Danny Elfman soundtrack. Oh, wow. On cassette. Yeah. I I've think my sister has the, uh, I think she has the Prince one. I'm not sure. I have to text her and find out. That would be... Uh... It's got some good tunes on it, that Prince one, but they, they don't really fit the Batman film, do they? No, very odd. I mean, the it's scene... Party man! Yeah, that's the, best, that's, the, that's the best part. Everything else was kind of like, 
Okay, I guess. I guess at the time, Prince was huge, so they needed a star vehicle. So you've picked that. What am I going to pick? Uh, Dances with Wolves. I don't think I've picked that one mm-hmm. before. Kevin Costner's damn near three-hour Western uh, Hollywood's way of making up for mainly British people, I suppose, ancestry coming over and slaughtering all the American natives, you know. But, you know, Hollywood does a film. Everyone's, everyone can forgive. You know, Costa did his own stunts for that. He did. He did. Horseback riding oh, wow. the lot. And the buffalo scene took, because there weren't enough buffalo to make it look like there were buffalo as back in the days, obviously when people first got to America, uh, they had to film that over like a, so many weeks and keep reshooting the same herd to make it look like there was more. Oh, wow. Mm. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. And there's a little bit in it where uh, the Indian cuts the bison's liver out and he bites it and he hands it to Costner and fair play to Costner's props. He's like, oh, God, that's gross. And he, he eats it as well. It was actually uh, cranberry jelly. Oh, movie magic. Movie magic. Yeah. And now every time I see it, I'm like, yeah, that is jelly. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'd... once you know, it's it takes away from the idea of what you're looking at. Yeah, it does. I actually thought they'd be like... But then again, to think they'd actually slain a buffalo for this scene and then cut its liver out is probably a big ask. I always thought when they ate stuff, they just ate some kind of like fake. They put it in their mouth and then, then they cut to spit it out and pretend he was chewing. That's what I always thought. Oh, no, no. They just make a jelly version of it. Probably taste it, but Costner's like, do I have to look like I'm not enjoying this? Because this is great. Get me some more of this. It's like, oh, crikey, Kevin. And I heard uh, Bill Murray also ate everything that they gave him. He sometimes got sick on set. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. If they gave him, like, French fries or whatever, he'd eat them all, and then the scene was over, but he had to do it again, so they gave him more French fries. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard from one of my friends who was in the, like, the film industry Bill Murray is a, he's an he's enigma crazy. isn't he he's crazy <laughs> I love that guy you know he does the voice for Garfield that cat you know yes. the, yeah. uh, and it's like why Bill Murray why is he involved in this I can't remember who the director was of that Garfield movie but he had a similar mm-hmm. name to an actual big you know well respected um, director not even a Hollywood one like an art house one and they said, oh, Bill Murray's got this film coming up, uh, Garfield. It's this director who's like, I'm all in. I'm all in. And then when he got there and realized it wasn't the director he thought and he was doing a voiceover for a CGI cat, he was like, oh, God. <laughs> but he'd actually contractually obliged to do it and the sequel, so he, he had to go all in on it. That's funny, man. <laughs> that is funny. Bill Murray, oh, the legend. Oh, my God. Uh, so legend. Stingrays just disappeared. Almost like fog on a New York morning, Bobby. One minute he's there, yeah. both there and here in Phil Producer Studio. The next second he's gone. What was it like? You actually saw him. Uh, many, many of the listeners would be desperate to see Stingray in the flesh. What's your, what's your sort of lasting memory you're going to take away from meeting the, the mighty Ray? He was probably as cool as... Uh... Kurt Russell's character in Big Trouble Little China. A smooth uh, dude, bro. You... <laughs> <laughs> when I watched Big Trouble in Little China, that's uh, that's very eloquent. I like that. Uh, when I watched Big Trouble in Little China as a kid, I, I was like, oh, yeah, 
yeah, I saw it and I thought, oh, Kurt Russell's this cool dude. He does all this stuff. But when I watched it as an adult and I sort of came of age, you realise that Kurt Russell barely does anything in it. And he always gets like knocked out, doesn't he? And he's like, let's get him. And he fires in the air and the thing knocks him out. Then he goes backwards. He's in that wheelchair. He goes backwards. That's and the movie. Oh and then he's God, like, so you're listening to, what's his name in it? Jack. Jack Burden on the Pork Chop Express. I'll tell you one thing. And it's like, you, you didn't do anything. And that's the comedy oh of it. God. It's absolutely it's unbelievable. Great I heard story. they're going to redo it, but they said they're going to have The Rock. I mean, that's the, the whole purpose of that character is to be just a bit of a dummy. Yeah. You can't have somebody such a badass in the role. That defeats the purpose. I, I don't want to see The Rock. What's the guy's name in it? Same name as the guy at Mortal Kombat, Ling Cho or whatever his name is. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. see him. I don't want to see him rock bottom. That dude. <laughs> I want to see him like knocked out or, you know, playing yeah. it for laughs. But I don't know whether it's in his contract that he's got to have at least one rock bottom or one. Yeah, at least. It's true. Do, do I, do oh I rock bottom God. anyone? No. It, it's, a, it, it, it's not that kind of movie. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. You know what it says. I need a rock bottom at least oh, two people. So with That's that done, Stingray evaporated like fog on a hot sunny morning. The only thing left to ask Bobby is, uh, what are you hoping to play? I'm going to try to either play The Outer Worlds or Layers of Fears 2, depending on... on Outer, Outer Worlds is the Obsidian space Yeah, like game. very similar to like the Fallout 3, 4 kind of game. I, 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 uh, watched, a, I watched a video of the... Uh, developers of the game someone had done a speed run of it and they'd actually managed to finish that game in 20 minutes but and yeah, not by cheating that's... or doing anything but by actually sort of i think they put all their they made their characters super dumb and super weak physically but they put all their effort into the speech craft and they actually speech. just managed to convince everybody to do everything <laughs> and then walked took a ship right to the end convinced the dude to do whatever and it was done and the, and the developers were like we never even thought that would even be possible. <laughs> Fair play to this dude. Because they're like, has he, has he, has he, how's he got to this? I think he's just talked his way into it. Unbelievable. That's so a that was, man. Yeah, when you finished it, obviously I didn't have any intentions of playing it, so I thought, oh, watch this. So when you finish it, you need to go back and look at that video and be like, I'll wow, definitely do it, yeah. Fair play. Uh, what am I open to play? Well, I've got Jedi Fallen Order. I want to try and get that battle from at least... The, there's some DLC where you play as Iden Versio as an older person. I don't know whether I've got the patience for that, Bobby, I'll be honest with you, but I'll try and at least yeah. get the first part of it done. Um, you never know. My Mega CD battery might have turned up and then I'll have to get my solder and iron out to get that fixed and up and working so I can play the rest of my Mega CD games. So if I can get all those done, Last of Us 2, obviously, I think I'm close to the end game. There's like a, a much bigger baddie in it now. I don't want to say anything oh, again, man. but uh, I've put every round into it that I've got and it's still walking around. <laughs> oh, wow. I know. Uh, I'm excited for it, man. Yeah, I, I well, think I'm going to order it. I'm going to order it probably today or on Tuesday. If you uh, go back and listen to our Last of Us Part 2 episode, I actually called it right about what the baddie was going to be. So... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it is exactly what I said. And it's like, oh, crikey. That's, uh, <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah, well, 
to that end, I think we're about there then. Bobby, I must thank you very, very much for house-sitting Tom's flat in sunny New York. That's very kind of you. Hopefully you haven't caught the Rona off one of his dirty spoons. That would be a pretty (laughs) god-awful situation to find yourself in. Uh, And um, you're welcome back on any time. So if Tom decides to carry on with his extended tour, grand tour of Vietnam with his cleaner, something tells me there's a little bit more going on than house cleaning. I'm not quite sure. But the way people Tom treats people like possessions... I'm not so happy. I'm not so totally convinced Limpo's a willing participant, but, you know, <laughs> she's all in at this point. Uh, so yeah. thank you very much for helping me out. I really appreciate it. Um, I've, I always love the pleasure of your company. Uh, and no doubt, the listeners, let's give them one last chance to find you on every social media platform you can think of. Go. So on Instagram, I'm at the underscore chronicles underscore of underscore a underscore gamer again love underscores and then my podcast is bobby's underscore world underscore podcast also on i also on ig and every platform that you listen to your regular uh podcast on everything amazon alexa if anyone's listening now have you had to turn yours off (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, okay, so I, I remember it. when you fired Proton, I was like, whoa, it really worked. Yeah, keep... And she fired it in my living room. It was crazy. Don't that listen to one of my funny. YouTube videos because I'll have your Amazon, Amazon Alexa dancing uh, dancing a can-can across your front room if you're not careful. Yeah. Uh, so Amazon Alexa, Hot Point Washing Machine, iTunes, Spotify, <laughs> Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, the whole bag of tricks. Anywhere you can find this lo-fi podcast, you can find the Hi-Fi Bobby's World podcast. And I implore everyone to check it out. And any of those social media platforms, you can find this show. Uh, and we're on YouTube daily for some bizarre reason. I'm obviously a glutton for punishment. Uh, Bobby, once again, thank you. That's all the time we have. That's all we have time for this week, listeners. Always thank you for your time. We look forward to the pleasure of speaking to you again next week. Until then, happy gaming. And remember, there's nothing wrong with being given the unofficial controller. It's what you do with it that counts. See you, Bobby. Bye, George. Thank you. See you.